Welcome back to Common Fan Commentary. I'm your host, Adam, and joining me today is Ronnie. Long time no see, my friend. Hey guys, glad to be back. Sorry I've been a little MIA, but, you know, we're here now, so... That's all that matters. And since Ronnie is back, we are talking soccer today. We are recording this hours after the transfer deadline just shut. We're not going to really talk about that because, I mean, there wasn't really much to note, really. Like, the largest transfer fee actually spent was like $17 million. So, nothing really too interesting. I feel like every team's still strapped for cash because of the financial toll that everyone took in the past year. But today we are going to be talking about the Premier League standings. The top four, I'm honestly not that surprised by. Um, the only, the most surprising team that has flirted with the number one spot has been Manchester United. What's been going on with them? I mean, realistically, I think it just comes down to Bruno, man. Uh, Bruno is one player of the month four times so far this season. He's probably going to win the player of the year um, in the Premier League. He definitely deserves if, it. Oh, yeah. If if they're not playing through him, they're, they're kind of lost at sea without him. So I think Bruno Fernandez is really the one to give most of the credit to. And he's just making Oligar. Uh, I don't, I've never been able to pronounce his name, but their manager, you know, making him look good. But I, you, you just can't, you can't deny that Bruno Fernandez is playing out of his mind. I didn't think they'd be doing that well with the still rather inconsistent defense that their team puts out. But, I mean, in spurts, they just look like this elite squad when they're just passing the ball. As soon as they get that ball to Bruno, it, everything opens up. I mean, he's just like a maestro on their offense. And, yeah, I, he's got to be player of the season. Like, I'm already calling. Like, he deserves it as of now by keeping Man United where they are. Even I mean, I ragged on him for uh, a while back on how many penalties he drew. But he's just shown that he's so much better of a player than just a, someone who draws penalties. So I kind of ate my words on that one. But uh, top of the table right now, Manchester City winning all five of their last Premier League matches and also boasting the best defensive record in the Premier League right now. Like we've mentioned before, with Pep Guardiola at the helm and most of their players staying pretty healthy and then kind of finding a, I wouldn't say like a concrete back four, but a more consistent one, I think that's only, you know, helped them and spurred them forward. Because I know for a little bit they're kind of, I wouldn't say struggling because they're, you know, they're Man City, but I think they found a more consistent back line that can play most days and have that rotation. And I think that's kind of what's helped them out. Because I don't think they've really lacked on the offensive front. It was more of their inconsistency in the back. And I think there's, you know, Pep Guardiola has been able to figure it out recently. Well, I feel like they. They've been struggling in comparison to most years, uh, just without David Silva there to as that you know workhorse in the midfield. I think that they did lose a lot of creativity when they let him go, um, but they're having to play a little bit younger now, um, and their finishing really just hasn't been there this year. But I mean, with the additions of Ruben Diaz and Nathan Ake, they they're just able to shut teams down now, and they're finally gaining some consistency from their wing backs and. They're a scary team right now. I mean, they've been kind of quietly just waiting for whoever's number one, whether that be Man U, Liverpool. They've just been kind of slowly creeping up the standings. And I, I, th- I thought Man City was out of it for a while after they lost Aguero to injury. And now they're they're at the top table with a game in hand. You, you can never count out Pep Guardiola. Um, even though some critics were saying how 
He's only won one Champions League, and he spends you know billions of dollars on his players at this point. I mean, this this is why he is hailed as one of the best coaches in the world. So, but a surprise team that we see at least in the top five that I think we should mention as well is West Ham. West Ham United is currently fifth in the standings, to just two points above Tottenham in sixth. Where did they come from? You know, I think no one really expected West Ham. I, I don't think I really did, especially after last season where I think they were like just fighting to stay in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes things just click, and, and that might be what's going on. And now with – we'll see what Jesse Lingard does because that's an interesting loan move in my opinion. Um, he'll definitely get playing time there. But it could just be, you know, you get the right players, you – you make them work and it, things just kind of click and chemistry happens. And I think you just go out there and you're, and they've kind of gained the confidence of knowing, Hey, we can perform at the, you know, top five level. We can, so they kind of go into these games against lower table teams and they probably feel pretty confident. And now they're probably starting to feel confident with, you know, the top level teams of say, Hey, we're up here too. Like we, we can, we can be up here and we can play against you guys. I think it just kind of, things just kind of fall into place. And I think it's just a good moment to be, you know, a West Ham player and a West Ham fan. Is this sustainable, though? We saw how Everton and Aston Villa went off to their hot start, and they're now both 8th and ninth, respectively, with a couple of games in hand. But do, do you think West Ham can still contend for Europa League and potentially Champions League? All they have to do to make Champions League right is be top four. Mm-hmm. Europa, I think it would be interesting. I think that'd be like the next step to see if, you know, this squad of West Ham is quote-unquote the real deal for them. I, I, right now, they're making it work. I just putting them up them against having the depth to be able to, like, finish the yeah. season in fifth. Like, exactly. I mean, they've and had a pretty impressive run of form lately, but there's no way, as soon as they hit a rough patch in their schedule, when they have Leicester, Liverpool, Man- the Manchesters, as soon as they hit that bump in the schedule, I feel like they're just going to be shooting back down. And I, I agree with you. I don't think... They'll, they'll do insane things, but I think if for a team like West Ham, if you can weather that storm, right, weather those rough patches and get draws here and there and like negate the damage of what could potentially, you know, be a, a 3 0 loss to, you know, Liverpool or Man City, I think they can just kind of hang on in there and, and hold their ground. I think they'll be okay. Speaking of the mid table, we just saw Chelsea already sacking their manager in Frank Lampard, signing Thomas Tuchel, former PSG manager. So what do you make of that move? I feel bad for Lampard, but of course you have to put the blame on someone who spends $220 million in one transfer window, and you guys are, you know, and they're sitting at mid-table halfway through the season. I mean, at that point, someone is probably asking questions, and they're all fingers pointing to Lampard because they gave them all the money. They they gave him all the big name players, but did they give him enough he, time? They gave him half a season with a brand new squad. True, and and right, like I want to be like side with you and say I kind of feel for Lampard when it comes to you know maybe he didn't have enough time to make it work, but someone who's given out two hundred twenty million, right, like the donors and the sponsors, and you're sitting at the middle of the table, you're probably going to be not too happy, and I think just it got to the point where too many people were asking questions and 
uh, you know, people were upset and they were just like, listen, someone's got to take this blame because if not, you know, all of our heads will be on a stake. So I think Lampard just as the manager and as kind of the face of the club and kind of the, the face of the ideal behind picking up all these big name players, this last transfer window, like in the summer, I think it just makes it real tough for them to be like, let's keep them around. I just think they spent way too much money on the wrong players though. Like Hakim Zayesh, I thought he was, they spent a little too much money on him. Um, I thought he was a very niche player when he was with Ajax. Um, and he had champions like success because he had a squad that was built to his strengths. Um, and I didn't think Chelsea was going to be the place that maximizes his talent. And the same kind of goes with, uh, I mean, everyone's pointing fingers at Timo Werner as well. Um, and the fact that he scored two goals maybe in his Chelsea career as their $60 million striker. I honestly lo- love him as a player, but I think Lampard totally misused him. Uh, they kept trying to play him out left when he's a solid number nine. He plays in the middle. He's going to be the guy who leads a counterattack. And that's not the way Chelsea would try to play. They try to play like possessive and that's, it just didn't fit Werner's style. So they got good players. They spent a lot of money for them and just none of them have been able to really mesh um, except for like Tiago Silva. He's just a great defender. So I think honestly, it's just, they got the wrong guys. Like Kai Havertz, they try to keep trying to play a 4-3-3 with Havertz, who's a number 10. He likes playing between the striker and the central defense and linking all the play in the middle, kind of where Bruno Fernandez plays. Um, he's best there. And Chelsea just keeps trying to go with their 4-3-3, trying to force him into their system when it's like, well, why not try to play systems that maximize your players, especially the ones you spent millions of dollars on, hundreds of millions of dollars on. Lampard, he tried to he tried to fit the players they got into his system instead of seeing that they got a whole squad of new players and trying to build a system to them. I don't know if Thomas Tuchel can do. I mean, I felt like he kind of fell victim to the same same type of coaching that Lampard got fired for when he was at PSG. If I was a Chelsea fan, I would be totally stoked on Thomas Tuchel, but um, he did lead them to a Champions League final last year, which is something. Uh, but I think that squad just had so much talent versus Tuchel being that excellent of a coach. Yeah, I think Tuchel has a has kind of a tall task with kind of where Lampard left things, right? Because even though they sacked Lampard, you, you still have that same question of like, okay, well, can you do something with all these players that we've brought in? Can you get us at least, you know, up to top five, top four? Because that's kind of where people expect Chelsea. And I, and I know we were like, oh yeah, Chelsea can definitely make a run at first place, you know, winning the Premier League or at least, you know, with names like this and the money spent, you would expect them to be like a lock-in for top four, right? By the end of the season. And they're kind of falling through the grapevine and questions are being asked. And now Lampard, you know, is like first casualty and, We'll see if Tuchel can make it work with what he's got and how much time he has left. I mean, I think he could really coach uh, the German guys really well um, based on his time at Dortmund. Uh, I think he can definitely get Werner and Havertz more acquainted with English-style football because there does seem to be that disconnect of these guys played in the German Bundesliga their whole careers, and then we're going to bring you in to a totally new type of, like, you're seeing different kinds of defense, you're seeing different kinds of teams that you play week in and week out, and then you're just 
expecting them to be superstars right off the bat, uh, which seems a little much at first. Do you want to talk about your favorite team, Ronnie? You know, I've kind of, it's not like I've forgotten about them, but it's always just been tough. It's been a little tough since, you know, the whole crumbling of FC Barcelona. But of course, man, I'm always I was saying it just, I was saying Arsenal. (laughs) We can always talk about Arsenal. Tenth of the table, which is out of relegation, luckily, um, since in, I think they were in 16th, right? So they've, they've put a, Pretty decent run of form. Um, they've won three of their last five, Drew and those other two. So they haven't lost in a while, and they seem to be secured in the mid-table, mid um, away from relegation, but they still have a quite a distance to go for Europa League competition. And they just loaned out a couple of their youngsters, um, Ainsley, Maitland, Niles. Are they finally putting it together? Ooh. Um, as you, you know, your resident... Arsenal, I wouldn't say hater, but just <laughs> non-believer. Um, I mean, they did just get knocked out of the FA Cup as, as well. The, yeah, I was like, can't forget, I was about to say, you can't forget Southampton did kind of knock them right out of the uh, the FA Cup, which was a little humorous to me. Do I think Mikel Arteta's done a good job from where they kind of were a few months ago? Yeah. Now, of course, right? Like, it's not going to make any Arsenal fan knowing that they're middle of the table towards the latter half and kind of in that purgatory zone of like we're here but we're not really all the way here so i think in this off season they're gonna have to do a lot of you know soul searching maybe get rid of a few more players maybe bring in some new players they did just cut Um, ties with two of their aging defenders in uh socrates the greek defender and shakran mustafi they terminated terminated mm -hmm. his contract as well yeah so i think you know, I think the back line is where they need to start first because they got a bunch of youngsters up top, right? Like, they they brought in Partey this year. They they have uh, Sako or Saka. I always forget. I don't know if it's Sako or Saka. Saka. And then, of course, you have Obama Yang still. He's not young, but he's still producing. I mean, he, um, so like, he kind of went cold, though, after he signed that three-year deal. He kind of <laughs> got his money and just, all right, <laughs> that's it. Because he, he took a while true. to show up. But I think... That also has to part partly to do with like I think more of the attention was on the backline being so inconsistent and them kind of really fumbling the bag there when it comes to just not playing good defense and making mistakes in the back. That I think maybe Aubameyang's no one was really too too aware of. Oh well, the up front is not scoring much, but you know our backline's kind of getting scored on a lot. So I think maybe he dodged a little bit of a the media bullet if you're like an arsenal fan you're definitely not going to be happy where kind of this year ends and where your team is but you're probably more happy to see it be over and forget about it than you are like you know let's make a push because they got knocked into the fa cup do i think they're going to make it all the way up to top five top four mm, i don't think so so this might be one of those years you're just like hey let's just chug through it like get through it and then uh, we'll figure it out next year hopefully should Arteta be on the chopping block? I don't think so. I actually, believe it or not, I, I'm actually kind of like, I kind of appreciate what he's done and kind of the direction he's taken the team. I'm a big fan of like ex-players being, you know, managers, although that can be a a, a dangerous combination for Frank Lampard, you know, if you're a <laughs> Chelsea fan. But I think he's just kind of gone in and he's understood 
that Arsenal's not, you know, the powerhouse team right now. They're, they're genuinely not, and they haven't been for a few years. But I think he understands that, and he knows, hey, like, let's let me, you know, direct the ship to the best of my abilities. I don't want to over overcompensate, oversell the promises of, you know, what this team can do. But I'm also, you know, going to keep this team kind of at least afloat. And I think that's the most you can do for an Arsenal squad right now. Yeah, I mean, I like the direction that they're taking, especially with this past transfer window. They are not frivolous, frivolously spending on someone who is scoring lots of goals in a lesser league, Nicolas Pepe. And they're cutting ties with the older players who have aged out and proved that they're not worth first time, first team minutes. And so, like, get, getting rid of Socrates and Mustafi, clearing up that book, uh, I think that that's kind of the start of what you needed to do a while ago. Uh, so I like what they're doing now. It's kind of the time where you want to invest in your youth, really find the core of your team and play around them. I think the next guy to go, he'll probably. I think the next guy to go this summer would probably be someone like Hector Bellerin. He's so injury riddled. He's rumored to top flight teams all the time. So I think they should cash in on him and try to move on to a different option. They have some youth who play well in the back. They're lacking that star power, though, that really puts teams up into the top three or four. I mean, when when you're looking at their best players, but I do see if they keep investing in people like Bukayo Saka, I mean, I think that, that he's going to be their best player in three years. I legitimately think that. So if they keep playing guys like him, um, they got a lot of youth in their depth. And I think if they invest in that heavy, play them in big matches, then they will see success in the future. They're just kind of stuck right now based on all these aging contracts that are trying to get off the books. What is your most surprising team so far in the year of 2020? Okay, most disappointing, I would have to say. I'm a little disappointed in Sheffield United, man. They kind of came out last year, last season. They were kind of mid-table. The Blades, they were kind of doing okay. I was really hoping they would uh, have an uptick a bigger uptick this season. I'm not saying like, you know, top four, top five, but I didn't expect them to fall into, you know, basically be 20th place relegation zone. Um, so that's probably my disappointment. The surprise, hmm, it's not a specific team, but I think the duo partnership of Kane and Son has been a, a pleasant surprise. Not that I didn't think they were good, but seeing them kind of be the duo tandem striker force that they are for Tottenham right now, it's, it's been very entertaining to watch any Tottenham game. Team, it's just tough to, like, at least for me, it's just a little tough to pinpoint a team. I guess, I mean, as a Man U fan, of course I want Man U to do well, but I don't think really anybody expected Bruno Fernandes to, like, be as good as he has been playing. Like, he's been dominant. And even though... They end up winning games like two to one because they go down early and they have to play catch up. Makes the games a lot more enjoyable. And of course, you know, if he's on the field, Man U has a chance to win the game. Any game. Doesn't matter who they're playing against. When they first got him, I was not expecting him to be the player of the year in the future. But I got to say, my most disappointing team has got to be Wolverhampton. Since they've had Raul Jimenez on the shelf, they do not know how to score goals. And I feel like that. I thought this team was better than that. I mean, they got a lot of youth um, in their tr- this past offseason with Fabio Silva. They're still pretty loaded, 
without Royal Jimenez out there, they just can't score this season. And that sees them in 14th place right now. They're not really contending for Europa League like they've been in the years past. And I think this next season, we'll see a lot of their guys force moves to bigger clubs. I actually really like that Fabio Silva guy. I mean, he's 18. He's young. He, they basically said, hey, you have to be our goal scorer. Just rolls out. Yeah. Um, and I mean, he hasn't been doing like amazing, but he also hasn't been doing too bad. And for 18 years old to be thrown into a team like Wolverhampton, who going into the season had really high expectations uh, based on last season, he could be a player that in a few years he could be he could be a you know pretty good talent, kind of regardless of the team he plays for. I think he's got a he's got a bright future. I do think they have players that do have bright futures. They just. they don't have bright presence at the moment continuing our soccer talk we got champions league round of 16 so a little bracketology going on what what are your picks for the round of eight psg always gets the unlucky draw of barca Mm -hmm. um that's an all too familiar sound for any paris fan so of course history always ends up going in barca's favor even though Barca's not the same old Barca they used to be. Oh, they're um, radically different. I watched their Barcelona's uh, Copa del Rey match a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. and they were in they were in the middle of penalties. And when I was, they were doing that panning shot over the entire squad, waiting for the other people to shoot. They all look like children, man. They all <laughs> they all look like high schoolers. Yeah, they don't have, I mean, other than, you know, Messi and Griezmann, they don't have a lot of, like, big name. <sighs> I don't know, man. They just, they aren't the same. They're, they're finding themselves again. I still do think they will uh, find a way and beat PSG just based off his, um, history seasons past. Leipzig, Liverpool. I just, I still think if Salah can score, which he finally scored this past week, he had been kind of on a dry, dry run of no goals, but he finally broke that. If he if he's on there and now that he's got that monkey off his back, I think Liverpool's kind of back up there. Do you see them uh, defensively being able to take down Leipzig? I mean, they just recently had to sign uh, two basically emergency defenders because of how injury riddled their entire defensive line is. I think they'll be okay just based off of uh, pure f- offensive firepower. Because <laughs> I don't think. I don't think Leipzig has the the offensive prowess to kind of... I think they can keep up, but I just think Liverpool just has a little bit more depth all around and more on the offensive front that I think they'll they'll be able to pull through against a team like uh, uh, Leipzig. All right, so what do you see from Juventus and Porto? Off the top of my head, I mean, of course, I want to say Juve. Um, I know Porto's always been like a, a quote-unquote big club in the Champions League, and they've won it in the past. Um, with Mourinho, but they're one of those teams that you see always make it into you know the elimination rounds of the Champions League, but never kind of make a full blown run unless like they get you know a Cinderella type run. Juve. I think this is the upset pick. Juve looks so different from years past with Perlo at the helm. I think that they've been struggling enough this past year. I mean, they're not. This is the first time they're not in first place in Serie A in years Ronaldo isn't scoring as much as he used to I mean he's 35 now I think that this might be the time that they can't pull it out I mean with Ronaldo they always have that shot of going down 2-0 and then he scores three to in the second half to boost you over the line but I think this might be the upset pick I'm going with 
um, is Porto over Juve. So what do you see from Sevilla and Dortmund? If Erling Holland is on the field, he's probably scoring like three. <laughs> that guy is that guy is a uh, scoring machine, and he's kind of scary when he scores. He turns him like a if if you put like a green screen behind him or painted him green, you could turn him into the Hulk. But I think Holland is uh, a little too good, and I think they have a really young squad with Geo, Jaden, Holland. I think they're just a little bit stronger than Sevilla. I don't. I definitely don't think Sevilla is a bad team, though. I think they just got an unlucky draw. I think if you know they played Porto, they played Juve, even if they played you know Barca, I, I think Sevilla could could pull some of those upsets. But with Dortmund, I think they just got the unlucky draw there, and I'm gonna have to go with Dortmund for that one. I do think that is a big if, though, if Erling Holland plays. I mean, he he is kind of he is a faucet. As soon as you tu- as soon as it turns on, it's just gushing goals. He's been he's been missing some time this year. I think if they lose without him and they win with him, I and mean, that's that's as simple as that. They aren't as strong, especially in the Bundesliga, as they've been in years past. Um, I think that's just because their their squad is so young right now that it's hard to find consistency in league matches. I feel like that they come out and put a good showing against Sevilla. Four matches left: Atletico or Chelsea. Definitely Atletico. I think with the way they've been playing. Um, Luis Suarez has been playing pretty, pretty well, um, and Chelsea just kind of fumbling around in the Premier League. I think Athletic is going to pull it through. I think they'll still make an, an entertainment, an entertaining match. Excuse me. Um, I just don't see Chelsea kind of figuring it out unless this, you know, unless Tuchel pulls something out of his hat and you know they win. That could that could give them some credibility. You know, maybe he can rally the troops. But I don't know. I think Athletic pulls through. I would have to agree with that. Chelsea just doesn't have an identity right now. Atletico does, hence why they're leading La Liga. Bayern Lazio. Lazio has good players. Um, they they have a pretty decent system, but I think Bayern, they've just been an offensive juggernaut this year. Um, they have seen their defense kind of lapse just because they play such a high defensive line and try to press so hard. Um, but they have just been scoring goals at will this year. I mean, it's been everyone. I mean, they have Leroy Sané coming off the bench just with that front line that they have. They saw, they see Jamal Musiala, 18, 19-year-old, coming out hot for them. Uh, I'm going to go Bayern on this one. I'm going with the UCL champions uh, continuing their run. Yeah, I, I wouldn't put my money against a team like Bayern right now. I just think they've been a very structured and a very just a very all-around solid pick. You can't really... Like I said, bet against them. Atalanta, Real Madrid. I could see this being my little quote-unquote upset. Although Atalanta has not been playing as well as they were last season. But Real Madrid also hasn't been playing as well as they have in the past. You know, Real Madrid and Barcelona are kind of going through the same spring rejuvenation, I guess. I don't know, I just came came up with that off the top of my head. But I just don't think they're the same clubs that they used to be. And I could see them kind of fumbling around in the Champions League and possibly losing and getting knocked out. So I'm going to actually have to go with Atalanta here, but not by much. Yeah, I do think Real Madrid, they've been struggling a lot more um, this year than we've ever seen them. I mean, I feel like they are also um, kind of stuck in a similar boat that uh, Chelsea is, that they don't really have an identity right now. I mean, ever since Ronaldo left, they've kind of been out of sorts on how they are going to play. And, I mean, last year, Karim Benzema showed up huge for them, um, and then he kind of became their guy. 
as we're seeing him uh, kind of dip in production a little, which is expected for a striker who's in his mid-30s. I mean, it makes sense. But, I mean, Eden Hazard, he's hasn't really found his Chelsea form. He's kind of out of his prime now. And they're, I mean, their defense and midfield is just caught out of position so much. And Rafael Varane, I, I just keep seeing flashes of him scoring on his own team in the match against Manchester City last year in the Champions League. That's like, uh, that. This team's not going far. Um, so I think Atalanta, I think they can definitely pull off uh, this this upset here. Gladbach and Man City, I think Mochen Gladbach had a great year by making it here, but Man City, they're, they're hitting their stride. No way. This is like a 16 seed versus a 1 seed right now. Yeah, I don't see Mochen Gladbach. Um, I see them kind of keeping up, but I think as the game runs on, I think Man City is going to start finding holes and with the speediness of, you know, how De Bruyne can play those balls in to Raheem Sterling or um, down the sides. Um, I think over time, Man City is going to be able to find those holes and end up scoring one or two and probably put Luchin Glad back away towards the end of the game. Yeah, I mean, I could see like them like getting that like early opener um, and scoring that one and then trying to go like turtle shell defense and try to <laughs> out defend Man City. If I had to put a lot of money on it, <laughs> I'm definitely not going anywhere near Mönchengladbach. So if you had to call, who's who's winning it all? Can't I mean you can't go wrong with a uh, a Bayern repeat, just because I feel like all the other teams. I think PSG, if they can get through Barcelona, maybe at least make it to the finals. I don't know, but you can't. I can't argue against Bayern, honestly. See, I feel like their lapse in defense this year is going to kill them uh, late late in the Champions League. It's almost borderline sloppy how like the difference between last year and this year, they're just allowing way more goals than we used to see. I mean, Manuel Neuer, he is getting older, but they're still relying on Jerome Boateng, who's getting into his mid-30s. What if a team figures out how to stop Lewandowski? Or if you run into a defensive powerhouse like Man City right now, um, I feel like that'd be the worst matchup. I'm going to go with my pick is Manchester City. Strong defenses. If you can shut down opposing opposing teams the way Man City's been able to do, I think that's what wins. That's what wins you titles in the end. For as good as Bayern was last year, how much they scored in games, their Champions League final was one nil. So it, it just showed that they had to have the defense to be able to shut down opposing star power such as Mbappe and Neymar to be able to take home that hardware. I'm, I'm going to give this one of the strongest defensive side, and that's Man City. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. That is all the time that we have today. Thank you so much, Ronnie, for joining me. Appreciate it. Glad to be back. I hope you all have a great week.